When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Ooh, you didn't tell me you were a brainiac. Welcome into Leather Brains, your host here, Slap Dog. And today we are getting silly, just like we do every single time. Scotty, it's you and me today. Alan is not with us. He is enjoying some tailgating here for the Monday Night Football game of the Eagles and the Chiefs. So he is unable to join us because he is out having himself a good time. But we elected to stay back. We said, we'll take one for the team this time around, Alan. You go and enjoy yourself, and we'll sit here in our basements and do a podcast. Mm, Yeah, I mean... Travis Kelsey offered me box tickets sitting next to Mama Kelsey and Taylor Swift. And, you know, I had to turn it down because my priorities are right. I, I know that I need to be here on the pod uh, with all our brainiacs, and this is where I'd rather be. So, you know, Alan can have fun at the game, but we're the real winners uh, sitting here talking about football. Hey, man, I couldn't have said it better myself. I will say this, though. If you are not already, go follow us at Leather Brains on both TikTok and Instagram. Alan's going to be shooting a bunch of live uh, footage at the tailgate for the Chiefs-Eagles game. So go check that out. Hit the follow button while you're there. It does greatly. Uh, we do greatly appreciate it. And since you're listening, since you are watching, go over to YouTube or wherever you get your podcast at. Hit the subscribe button there as well because it does mean a lot to such a small podcast such as ourselves. Like I mentioned, Scotty, it's you and me today. No one's coming to the rescue, so we are going to have some conversation about this last week. There's a lot to discuss, as there always is every single week. And as a reminder to anybody watching us live, if you do have any questions, we will answer them at the end of the show. So once again, go over to YouTube, type your comment in there, your question, and we will read it off live at the end of the show. Scotty, I think I think it's just time to get down to uh, get down to business here and talk about our Leather Brains MVP of the week. Yeah, the Leather Brains MVP of the week, which, of course, is brought to you, as always, by Prime Society Luxury Leather Bags, Backpacks, and Accessories. So if you haven't already, make sure you join elite athletes like Tyreek Hill and Clay Thompson by checking out primesociety.com and shopping their luxury bags, luggage, and accessories. Whether you're looking for the perfect high-quality Christmas gift that won't break the bank or you might want to turn heads with the swagger of a pro athlete, Prime Society either way is the answer. Your fantasy MVP helped you secure the bag in your league, which we'll talk about in a moment, but you need to make sure you secure the bag with Prime Society. Use promo code LBZ20 to get 20% off your order today. Again, LBZ20 to get 20% off your order today at primesociety.com. And now, the Leather Brains MVP of the week is... Sarah Jessica Parker. And for those who might be confused, we're talking about T-Law, Trevor Lawrence, and his luscious locks. He went 24 for 32 for 262 yards and two touchdowns and then found the end zone two more times 
with his legs for a total of 32.2 fantasy points. Hunter, you've been kind of a hater of T-Law. Does this change your mind at all? No, I didn't vote for this as the MVP of the week, but I got outvoted, which is understandable. And you can't you can't deny the stats that he put up this week. You really can't. But it doesn't make me any more excited about Sarah Jessica Parker, uh, a.k.a. T-Law. I don't like him. I'm never going to give him my MVP deep down in my heart. But if you own him for fantasy this week, you uh, you got the best production he's had all year, which is is saying a lot. I think a lot of people, granted, this was a really good performance. Don't get me wrong. It just we haven't seen it from him at all this season. So this was hands down the best performance he's had all season. And in fact, he hasn't even hit 20 fantasy points all year until yesterday against Tennessee. So uh, look, man, I, he deserves it. Congratulations to be MVP of the week. But uh, let's see where you're at in a couple weeks from now, because I don't think you're going to be sitting on top of the pedestal. And that's a slapdog challenge. <laughs> Yeah, I think overall people are pretty disappointed generally with this Jags offense, whether it's Calvin Ridley or T-Law, whatever it might be. Um, you know, it's just been underwhelming. And we expected in the preseason that this offense would look like this every week um, or at least better than what we've seen. So it has been pretty disappointing, but hopefully this is a sign of uh, things to come and they figure it out in Jacksonville. Yeah, I actually went and looked this up because I was kind of curious, like, how many people are actually starting Trevor Lawrence right now? Like he's he's not on the waiver wire, but there have got to be other people who are just like, you know what, I'm not starting him because he's not producing. He was only 45% started in this last game. So that is such a sad like feeling. And I know it. I've done it a lot in, in over the years with fantasy, but leaving that many points on your bench, it's just it makes you a little ill because you're like, dude, this could have been the game changer. But mm-hmm. you can't also I'd like to just be here as a friend to anybody who did have them him on the bench because it happens. And you made the and, right choice in bench. Yeah, you can't be blamed at this yeah. point. So I just want to say that, but um, congrats to uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, shave your head, and uh, be a better quarterback. Uh, studs and duds. I'm going to kick this off, Scotty. I brought to the my uh, my stud this week is Dr. Schultz, and I'm not talking about the actual doctor. I'm talking about the tight end for the Texans. He had a super cool touchdown where he caught it, and he slid for probably five yards on his back. It looked like a movie moment. Slid five yards on his back into the end zone. And got a touchdown, and I just thought it was so damn cool that I had to put him in as my stud of the week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's someone who, um, especially with how good this Texans team has been, he's been pretty productive, honestly. And we kind of expected that in the preseason. Hey, you know, we know he's a good tight end. We know he might be one of the only weapons on this team. And we turned out to be off base on that front because they actually do have several weapons on this team. But, you know, Dr. Schultz, uh, you can't count him out any week. I think he could be. Pre- he has potential to be productive in every single matchup, and we saw that this week, which was nice. Yeah, very. Um, and I will, I'm will. i going to let you go ahead and do your stud of the week, Scotty. Yeah, my stud of the week is ugly wins. Uh, we saw several of those this week. Uh, in particular, I wanted to highlight the Miami, Houston, and Detroit wins. Um, the reason this is important is because when you are a team in the NFL and you are trying to prove that you belong, you're trying to say, hey, we're a good team and we should be contenders, you not only have to beat good teams and you not only have to definitively win against bad teams, but you're not going to be able to bring your A game every single week. We saw that this week with these teams, yet they still found a way to pull out the W. That's a sign of a good team. When you when you show up, you get off the plane or whatever, uh, or you get to the facility and you realize – Uh, the game's going and you're like, "Ah, it's just things aren't going our way, but you're still able to claw out that victory. That's a sign that you're a good team. So I think this proved a lot actually for Miami, Houston, and Detroit 
all of these teams that we know have potential to be good. And now they've shown, hey, even when things aren't going well, we can still get the dub. So I think it's a big win for them. They are my stud of the week. Ugly wins are my stud of the week. We say it, Scotty. We've said it before, and I will say it again. Any given Sunday, baby. It is hard to get a win out here in the NFL. And uh, so when you do, no matter how you find it, a win is a win. So congratulations. I, I have to ask, you know, you put both three of these teams up here, Miami, Houston, and Detroit. Right now, who's the best team? I'm just curious as to your opinion between those three teams. Oh, it's definitely Detroit. De- Detroit looks like the most complete team. Um, you know, obviously their offense can put up points. Their defense has struggled a little bit, but not enough to prevent them from winning games. So I think Detroit's the most complete team. Miami, when they're on their game, looks unbeatable, obviously, but we haven't really seen them on their game in a tough matchup yet. So that's still kind of to be determined. And Houston, if you're if you're going to pick a team that's got the best future, it might be Houston because they've got so many young players, including CJ Stroud, who's an MVP candidate now. Um, Houston's got a bright future ahead of them, but Detroit takes it hands down. Okay. I, I like that list. I actually agree with that list. And I uh, love you, Dan Campbell. And it sounds like Scotty might too. Well, I don't know about all that. Who's your dad this week, buddy? My dad um, is not a surprise. It's the Bengals offensive line. Um, Joe Burrow has now sustained his second season ending injury over the course of his short career. Um, and, you know, this year he actually is kind of middle of the pack in terms of number of sacks that he's taken. But since he entered the league, he's way up there in terms of how many times he's been hit. So it seems like the offensive line might be, you know, trending in the right direction. But at this point in time, man, Joey B is flirting with that injury prone kind of tag that fantasy managers put on players because, you know, he's just getting knocked out of games and knocked out for seasons, which, of course, ruins the Bengals offense uh, to a huge degree and ruins a bunch of fantasy teams. So. Uh, including one of my own, which is depressing. But the Bengals offensive line obviously let us all down here. Joey B maybe needs, you know, some stronger bones, needs to drink some more milk or drink something. Some milk, we'll, we'll we'll see if he uh if his recovery includes a whole lot of, you know, vitamin D and vitamin C to make sure he's built up and ready to go for twenty twenty four. Do you think that um I looked this up. Frank Pollock is his name. He is the offensive line and run game coordinator for the Bengals. He's been there since 2021, um, and he has been in the same role since 2018. So he's been the offensive line coach since Joey B's been there. Like, this isn't something I don't think in the NFL landscape gets talked about a whole lot. You want to point your fingers at the head coach or the offensive coordinator or the defense, depending on what side of the ball, as to where this where team has gone awry. Maybe it's time to look at Frank Pollock. I, you know, I, I don't know who this guy is aside from just looking him up right now, but he's the offensive line coach. And very clearly, this has been a struggle for the Bengals since Joe Burrow has been their starting quarterback. So do you think he walked into that offensive line, you know, today when they walked into the room and he's like, hey, you did you guys did really great. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like I said, they're trending in the right direction. I think he's been sacked 25 times, which is, you know, half as many times as Sam Howell. So it could be a whole lot worse. But when you're looking at the, you know, over the course of Joe Burrow's career, he's obviously been hit a lot. And what's interesting, and it's the same conversation with Sam Howell, it's tough to know. Obviously, when you watch teams like the Giants, you're like, okay, that offensive line fucking sucks. No, Nobody can play quarterback really well there because they have, you know, 0.5 seconds to throw the ball every time. Um, but with Joe Burrow and with Sam Howell, you almost wonder if, okay, it's a young quarterback, especially Joe Burrow at the beginning of his career. He's not going to make decisions quite as fast. So the quarterback actually causes a lot of his own sacks, and that's true across the league. So I think you have to see – you do see them trending in the right direction, and obviously that – 
also compound or that's that it is due in part to Joe Burrow just getting more experienced and, and being the elite quarterback that we know he is. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, you got to start pointing fingers at somebody. Um, at the end of the day, the buck stops with the head coach, which is why I think that's where it gets talked about the most. Yeah, it is unfortunate. We'll we'll talk more about Joey B here in a little bit and his injury and what that means for fantasy football. But before we do that, I'm going to bring you my dud of the week, that being Zach Wilson, former starting quarterback for the Jets, returned as starting quarterback for the Jets after Aaron Rodgers gets hurt in the fourth play to begin the season and now is benched again and is not only benched but the third string quarterback now for this team. So you've had your time to shine. Zach Wilson, I think you uh, you finally dudded yourself out. You know, we've done this so many times. We have we have talked about Zach Wilson so many times. And thankfully for the Jets organization, they have finally put him on the bench. So very deserving of the dud this week, I think. Yeah, I don't this this might just be wishful thinking on my part because, you know, I look at Salah and I listen to his interviews and his press conferences. And I just I'm a big fan of Robert Salah. Like when when he takes the mic, he, he just seems like a great head coach who's good at commanding his troops and good at putting together a game plan. And then, you know, you look at, okay, why have they not moved on from Zach Wilson? Why didn't they pick up Josh Dobbs? Why didn't they pick up one of these free agent quarterbacks who might be able to give them a chance with the solid roster that they have? And I almost wonder if this was a decision above Salah's head that they're, they're, people are saying, you know, in the front office are saying, hey, we need to know if this kid is worth keeping on the roster at all. We need to see him play these games now that Aaron Rodgers is injured. Um, that, to me, is the most likely scenario. We because saw it. We saw it last season, too, and that's that's really the, the pain point for me is we have seen this experiment last season, and now we're seeing the same thing again. I agree with you. I don't know if Robert Salah carries all the blame, and I do think his, head, his, his front office probably carries some of that blame. To what degree? I don't know. I don't think we'll ever fully know, but there are some other boneheaded moves that the Jets have made that leave you scratching your head. Why is Randall Cobb still in the NFL? Why is Randall Cobb still on your starting roster? Well, I can tell you why he is. It's because Aaron Rodgers is there. It's like Aaron Rodgers brought all his buddies over there. Why did they sign Mecole Hardman? Probably because they wanted him, and then they finalized everything with Aaron Rodgers and then realized, oh, we don't really need Mecole Hardman. So then they gave him back to the Chiefs. There's just kind of some of these decisions that the Jets have made. Why did they sign Dalvin Cook? I get it. To start the season, you probably kind of needed Dalvin Cook to help, you know, make sure that Brees Hall was ready to go. So that one I kind of do understand, but Dalvin Cook's pissed. He wants to get traded out of there, and unfortunately for him, that didn't happen. But why would they do that when they already have him locked down on a one-year contract? So overall, the Jets, is the entirety of the organization, I don't think is controlled by Robert Slaw. And I think he's just playing, and I, I don't know this, I could be wrong, but I think he, like you mentioned, is just kind of playing with the cards that he's dealt when it comes to his front office and they keep screwing him over. And I think Zach Wilson was just another byproduct of that, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and unfortunately now we're at the point where, you know, the Jets defense is a really good unit, but you almost see them being deflated by the offensive play where, you know, in the, in this last game, which we'll talk about a little bit, but you just notice that the Jets defense did not look up to par like they otherwise would. And you have to imagine that that's due to the fact that they just have no hope their offense is going to score any points. So it's like, what are we doing out here? Would what, you, what, what's the point of all this? I mean, that that's, that is exactly the point that I'm trying to make is like, would you, I wouldn't, when you know that you have to go out there and you have to play a really good game and you know that on the flip side of the ball, the Zach Wilson is the, the commander for that. Like, 
Yeah, that's got to be really deflating because you can sit there as a defense and play your heart out, but shit happens, right? Like, if you're not playing perfect every single play, do you know what happens? A touchdown. And, like, that's more often than not, a couple are going to cut, like, one to two at least are typically going to happen to a team every single time. But you sit there and you want to fight because you want to get your, you want to keep them being the offense in the game. And when they are not, it's very disheartening. So, yeah. I, I wonder if this was a move to maybe kind of see, like, win back the locker room a little bit. Because, and I don't know if that's the case, but I think that there's some validity in that. Yeah, at, at this point in time, just given the play that we've seen, uh, you know, obviously may, maybe Boyle comes in and with a couple games under his belt, he starts looking way better than Zach Wilson. But, um, you know, you have to imagine that this Jets team is already thinking to next year where they're, they're thinking about, okay, what can we do with Aaron Rodgers back on the field? Um, you know, how can we maintain some of these superstars? But, you know, more, more along the lines of what you said with the defense, it's just so tough because, you know, like you said, you can't play perfectly every single play. Points are going to happen. And when you don't have an offense that is capable of putting points up at all, like, you know, score touchdowns aside, let alone get in field goal range, it's just so easy to say, okay, a one-score game is now out of reach. And that ruins the integrity of the defense and their mindset. So it's just, it's just a lot of bad stuff going on in New York. Well, and that's why Zach Wilson gets the dud. And you know what? Maybe Robert Salah can get the stud if they uh, start finding some success with Tim Boyle because it ain't happening with Zach Wilson. Leatherbrain's Game of the Week. We will move over to that. And unfortunately, the game of the week was supposed to be the Ravens-Bengals game, Scotty. And, and that actually turned into death. Thursday night football was death. And it was miserable. I, I want to say something to all the NFL script writers out there. Fuck you. Because you have ruined so much of the spirit of the NFL. I died on Thursday night, and I think a lot of people did too, both for fantasy football and fans of the game. This was the game I was really, really excited to see, Scotty. This was the game that was going to kind of dictate, are the Bengals back? Are they healthy? Are they able to continue to get scrappy and get it done? And are the Ravens legit? Are the Ravens going to come in and get this done? So I was very excited for, for this game, and immediately just disappointment you saw Mark Andrews go down he's done for the season with an ankle injury right alongside that as we mentioned just a moment ago Joey B is now done for the season with an a, a uh, wrist injury excuse me so both of the fantasy landscapes for these players like what do you do with Jamar Chase what do you do with him because the trade deadline has now passed in most leagues so you're kind of fucking stuck with him it was the ultimate fu that the script writers gave us and i'm very very sad about it for fantasy football and just for the competitiveness of both these teams like yeah losing mark andrews is so tough because even though you know lamar's been playing well obviously they have some other weapons on this team who have made plays but that offense kind of revolves around mark andrews i mean they're looking he is he is option 1a on basically every single pass play the defenses have to respect him and now this changes the entire scope of the offense in baltimore we're, we're going to see you know this this upcoming week is going to be the true test the, um i guess i don't know if they're on I'm thinking they're on bye, but I don't know if that's right. I might just be making that up. But either way, their, their next game is going to be a real test because Chargers. Uh, the Chargers. Yeah, this is going to be a real test because now their offense has to look completely different. And we're going to see if Lamar can step up. We're going to see if, you know, Zay Flowers can step up, if OBJ can step up. Um, you know, this does raise the stock for the other pass catchers in this offense. And hopefully we don't see too much of a downgrade with their on-field performance. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. And in. You know, I own Jamar Chase in a couple leagues, so I have, like, is he still a starter? 
I think that's where a lot of people are sitting there. Like T Higgins, I think is another great example of this. Like is T Higgins still a starter for you? Yeah, I don't, uh, T Higgins, probably not. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll see time. will tell if they're going to be usable or if they're going to really default to trying to run the rock, but, um, it's just tough. T Higgins was, was tough already, even with yeah. Joe Burrow in the offense. Um, so that one I'd say probably not Jamar chase, given the fact that the trade deadline has passed and where you drafted him unless you got lucky on one of these other wide receivers like a nico collins or someone that you can throw in that people didn't expect to be that good uh you might be stuck with him in your starting lineup yeah it's it's unfortunate i would say i mean if you own chase i think you have to start him at this point but um aside from that i the the Bengals offense gets a little bit nastier for me yeah quite a bit nastier for sure okay so while we're talking about injuries we got to talk about the Browns. Um, you know, w- even with Deshaun Watson in the game, the Browns offense was still kind of hit and miss. It seemed like he would show up to play some weeks and other weeks he wouldn't. And he was kind of in and out of the lineup with injuries. Now he's out. He's out for the season. DTR did enough to win the game this week. They did pick up Joe Flacco as well this week. Um, so he's another option for them. But my question is this, how are we treating the fantasy assets on the Browns. I mean, is this sort of a matchup dependent thing or are you cutting bait entirely? I mean, is this something, are you willing to put your trust in any of these playmakers at all? I think just for some context here, uh, Kareem Hunt and Ford split carries exactly 50, 50. So it's tough to know going forward, who's got the backfield there. Ford has had it for most of the season, but in this week they both had 12 carries. Um, you know, Moore and Joku and Cooper were all involved in the passing game, but they combined for 150 yards, zero touchdowns. It's like, dude, I think it just depends think on the matchup. Amari Cooper probably is going to be in your starter, whether that be like flex position or, or wide receiver too. Um, I think Amari Cooper's got to be there. I mean, he he still has found, like like you said, Deshaun Watson has been in and out. And, you know, Amari Cooper is the wide receiver one on this team. I'm interested to see what happens with this quarterback battle here between Dorian Thompson and Joe Flacco now potentially entering the, the scene. So that could get interesting. I think Amari Cooper is probably really one of the only people that I would start. His targets are consistent. They have typically been pretty consistent all year, no matter who has been who his quarterback has been. So that that is the one piece I would be interested in. I, I think aside from that, probably not. And at least yeah. not until we see a little bit more of a safety blanket that is a better performance by whatever the quarterback of choice is. I will tell you this, though, Scotty. In the foreseeable future, I'm going to be looking to grab any defense that's going against the Browns. Because if they're going to do what they did this last week, it's going to be pretty fun for whatever opposing defense goes against them. So um, I, I would be looking to start most defenses against the Browns at this point. Yeah, and fantasy aside, another interesting question here. You know, Joe Burrow's down. Mark Andrews is down. They're all in the same division with the Browns. Mm -hmm. So right now, as of right now, given the record, the Browns have a 70% chance of making the postseason. Obviously, their defense is elite. Is their defense enough? I mean, is it enough for them to make a good postseason push given the fact that they've got, you know, backup running backs and backup quarterbacks and the the whole offense has been, you know, ridden with injuries? Miles Garrett might be one of the scariest human beings on this earth. I saw a video of him yesterday with his shirt off and he was talking to a reporter and like, I was just blown away at how scary this human being is. He's just ripped and jacked and he's like, I wouldn't want him running at me any day of the week and people are doing that for their job. So 
I, I, I do think their defense is good enough to potentially like it. Here's the thing. You, you want to talk about offenses that are really good. You look at the chiefs, right? The chiefs over the last few years, offensively have been incredible. So like defense didn't matter because they were, you know, Patrick Mahomes was peppering whoever to, you know, whether it be Tyree kill or Kelsey or whoever the flavor of the week was. And he was just peppering them and they, they were just, it was offensive shootouts. And, the same, I guess, could be said on the flip side of the ball, where the Browns, they just need the offense to do enough. And I think the Steelers game was a really, really good indicator of that, where the Browns' defense will win you games, as long as your offense is productive enough to, at the very least, get you in field goal range. And I think that's part of what we don't, we aren't seeing with the Jets in the conversation that we had earlier. That's really where the big difference is. It's like, mitigate your losses, don't fuck this up, and the Browns' defense will keep you in, in a lot of games. And, and I do believe that. It's really interesting to see how like the the script of a football game can change when your offense is, when your offense looks like this because now, you know, you're not necessi- you're not looking to score touchdowns on every drive. You're just looking to be smart with the football, not make dumb decisions. You know, don't be afraid to punt the ball if you're if you're near midfield and you can pin them deep. That's not a bad option rather than going for it on a risky fourth down and, and putting yourself down. So the entire game script changes and you have to build it around the defense and you're right. I mean, this Browns defense is elite, maybe the best defense in the league. So if any Anybody can do it. They can do it. But we'll have to wait and see if, if DTR or Flacco is capable of scoring, you know, 14 to 17 points a game and, and keeping them in it. Yeah, it just sucks. Like, you think about what this team could be. Like, if Deshaun Watson was healthy and Nick Chubb was healthy and they ha- they got to play a full season without being injured, like, this team would be scary, man. Like, it'd be, mm-hmm. really, it'd be a really good team. Like, their defense is so good that their offense would be – better than it is now like man it just sucks it it sucks when you get to miss out on an opportunity to see like you know the whole package put together mm-hmm. yeah and this is depressing so let's talk about something happier okay. um cj stroud cj stroud everything about cj stroud is happy this last week he threw more interceptions in one game than he has for the entire season he threw three interceptions um and in the post-game press conference he was asked hey you know does this shake your confidence at all obviously you haven't turned the ball over like this since you've been in the league what does this do for you and he was quoted as saying Steph Curry doesn't stop shooting neither am I I'm going to keep on shooting and you know what he still went 27 for 37 336 yards and two touchdowns through the air uh not only that but there were a couple plays where he got rocked he got hit hard came out for a play and then came back in and didn't miss a beat he was still running this offense like a pro CJ Stroud is the man like I'm just I'm all in even all of his press conferences his interviews and everything where he's he just seems humble he seems down to earth he seems like a true professional so i'm excuse me excited for this guy yeah it's hard not to be it really is hard not to be this was the slap dog bowl is what i think we were calling it this weekend because i was a former texans fan now cardinals fan and to see the texans success it makes me sad because i i did leave the team but i'm also happy for him because i do like cj stroud i really like that kid i think he is a like you mentioned he is he seems like he's been doing this for a long time. He seems like a veteran, a, ventra- a veteran's mentality. He handles himself well. He's poised. He speaks very well. And he not only speaks well, but he's playing well, man. And he's doing a really, really good job. From a fan's perspective, as the car- as a Cardinals fan that I am, this was a small shred of hope in an otherwise abysmal dark hole that I've found myself in. I think Jonathan Gannon is a goober. He's the head coach for the Cardinals. I think he is a joke of a human being. But I will say this. 
we intercepted CJ Stroud three times and, and he's only thrown two picks all year. So it gives me like, if I'm just looking for a bright spot in the darkness, maybe he does know what he's doing as a defensive defensive minded coach to be able to get this done. I tell myself that to try and make myself feel better. But then I just think at the end of the day, CJ Stroud just had a bad day and made a couple missed opportunities. So that's kind of where I'm at. Well, I also, I think we need to offer our services to Gannon as, as a podcast as, you know, we're, we're pretty media friendly, right? We, we got our faces on camera. I, you know, we're, we're pretty good at that. And really there's only one difference between the personality of John Gannon and the personality of say Mike McDaniels, which is Mike McDaniels leans into the weirdness. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty weird, but guess what? I'm fun. Cause I'm weird. I know I'm weird and I'm going to be weird. I'm going to be myself. And it's like Gannon is afraid of, he's like socially awkward. Yeah, he just needs to lean into it. You're socially awkward. It's cool. You're you are you very obviously, you know, you have some potential as a football coach. Lean into it. People will like you for it. So if if he needs any help dealing with the media, you you give us a call, we Mr. Should, Gannon. What are we we'll doing in podcast? We should be a PR firm. We should just, be a PR. You just firm. told me on. I think we should scrap all leather brains. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, if you are one of these people that are asking questions on YouTube, appreciate the questions. We will get to them here toward the end. I don't want you to think we're ignoring you, but we will answer these questions before the episode's over. Um, Let's move on to Sam Howell. This guy threw the ball 45 times, and granted, the game script was bad. Sam Howell played pretty bad, so they were constantly down. They constantly had to score some points. But throwing the ball 45 times, from a fantasy perspective, you see that and your eyes light up. Like, dude, there is so much opportunity, but guess what? Uh, Brian Robinson still led the team in receptions. It's like it's like he can't get the ball to his weapons, and he does have some weapons on this team. Um, it's it just feels like a, a shame to have this much volume and such little production out of these wide receivers. And Robinson, by the way, he's loving life. He's currently a top five running back right now in PPR leagues. But my question is this, you know, given the way that this offense has performed, honestly, Washington is just a really interesting organization because going into the season, we're like, okay, Rivera's getting fired this year. Uh, Maybe they promote Biennemi to interim coach and eventually permanent coach like that. That's kind of what we saw. I actually think that's why Biennemi took this job because he saw the writing on the wall and was like, hey, there's going to be an opportunity here soon. Um, But, you know, they've come out and they've actually looked on in some weeks, they look pretty productive on offense. They look like a team that, you know, might be able to make some moves. Is Sam Howell the quarterback of the future definitively now? Because, you know, Washington is projected at this point in the season to have a top 10 pick in the draft, but not early enough to get a Drake May or to get a Caleb Williams. So, you know, they're not going to be able to go out and get one of these, uh, you know, bright and shiny new quarterbacks. And obviously, given how much Sam Howell is being sacked, the offensive line has got to be a priority. So I think regardless of how Sam Howell plays for the rest of the season, they pretty much have to stick with him and fix the other problems before they can even think about addressing the quarterback. I don't think he is. I think the quarterback is. I think their offensive line is terrible. Don't get me wrong. And they do need to do some things to to fix that. But I don't think Sam Howell's a future quarterback for the commies. And the reason being is for information that you just previously mentioned. He threw the ball 45 times, and Robinson, is he's leading the team in receiving. That, to me, is a problem. That's a big problem. That tells me, especially knowing what the commanders have as a wide receiver unit, Jahan Dotson and Scary Terry are not bad wide receivers at all. Jahan Dotson, people want to sit there and say, well, he's in the sophomore slumps. He hasn't done it. But the the reality is, is we saw it last year. We saw flashes of it last year. We know he's capable of it. And, and really, the proof in the pudding is Scary Terry because we know what Scary Terry can do. He is a good wide receiver. The problem that you have is Sam Howell 
is just not a good quarterback. And that's why Robinson is getting as many like receiving targets and catches that he is, is because that's the easy ball for a quarterback to throw. You can't tell me if you had someone like a Matt Stafford out there that how or that Jahan Dotson and Scary Terry would not be doing much better. See, I disagree. I, I think if you put someone like Matt Stafford out there, he's going to be injured by week two. Sure. Because there, he's got no time. And I think that's the primary reason why Robinson is being peppered with targets, because by the time he gets into his three-step drop back, he doesn't have time to evaluate the field. He's getting chased all around. And again, you know, like I mentioned earlier, this is a combination of the offensive line and a rookie quarterback. This is a guy who doesn't have a lot of experience. It's going to take him a little bit longer to read the defense. And I'm sure that accounts for a lot of the sacks. But ultimately, if you don't have time to throw in this league, you're not going to be able to make good decisions as a passer. And when you're playing from behind, you have to pass. So you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. We're seeing the same thing, or we saw the same thing with Daniel Jones. It's just like, you know, there aren't a lot of weapons on that team, but he has no time to process anything. And as a result, everyone on the team is hurt. So for me, the jury's still out on Sam Howe. But I want to ask you this hypothetical, you know, I think it's pretty much a lock that they're not going to do anything at quarterback this offseason. I think they have to address the offensive line. They're not in a good enough position in terms of the draft to make a big change that way. So I think Sam Howe is going to be the starting quarterback coming back. So assuming that that's the case in 2024, how are we valuing these wide receivers if they make moves in the offseason to fix up this offensive line, you have Sam Howell with another year under his belt. Obviously, Bienemy wants to throw the ball. Are we going to be more optimistic than we currently are on the commander's wide receivers? Or is it just kind of like a, they got to prove it before you buy in at all? Do I smell a buy low conversation <laughs> happening right now from afar? Maybe. I, I, I don't hate the theory. I don't. And, you know, I just... I would have to see the proof in the pudding. And maybe this is where you buy low on these guys because Jahan Dotson's a lot cheaper than he was at the beginning of the year. And he's a heck of a lot. You know, he's not a bad wide receiver, as I mentioned. He just has fallen drastically in, in dynasty stocks. So maybe he is a buy. And you do hope that they get a better offensive line. And I don't hate that mentality, but I, I also am not buying stocks of Sam Howell right now. Like, I wouldn't go out and buy Sam Howell at all. He would be somebody I wouldn't touch because depending upon where the commander's draft pick falls, I could see them upgrading and getting somebody else, as well as maybe fixing their offensive line in free agency. There's a lot of different ways this could go. But one part of this conversation that I wanted to have before we move on from this topic is you talked about Eric B coming in and, you know, Ron Rivera getting fired and everything like that. I, I agree with you. And I'm just curious to know, I just kind of thought of this as, as a, a fun little game to play. Do you think Eric B went in there with the notion that Ron Rivera was not going to change his offense and Ron Rivera was going to run the same offense that he always has and kind of set the enemy down on the bench and say, this is my team and you're my offensive coordinator and you're going to run what offense I want to run. Do you think the enemy kind of went into that thinking that and then realized like Ron Rivera really wants somebody to actually take over this offense and make it whatever they want it to make it. Because if you look at these offenses from last year to this year, it's two completely different offenses. And that, that is a direct reflection of Eric Bieniemy and, and what he has done in the past and what he wants to do with his offenses. Do you think any of what I said holds any validity or even potential there? 
Yeah, I don't want to shit on you, but but no, I don't. I no. I, I think Eric Bieniemy does not take a job. He knows what he is. He knows what he accomplished with the Chiefs. Um, you know, he knows what kind of offense he wants to run, and he knows that he honestly, everybody knows that he should have been considered for several head coaching positions this last offseason. You know, Eric Bieniemy is the real deal, and he's proven that throughout his career. So I don't think he takes a job unless he goes in saying, "Hey, this is my offense. I'm going to run the. I'm. You brought me in here to turn this offense around. That's what I want to do. So I don't think he takes a job." unless that's the case. Um, and I also, you know, we, we talked a little bit about Sam Howell. We kind of shit on him a little bit. He's currently quarterback number four on the season for fantasy football. He has more pass attempts than everybody else in the league. Would you so buy th- him? I think I would, just just given the structure of the offense. I mean, he's thrown the ball 442 times. The next closest that I can see here is Josh Allen at 382. So you're talking about a guy with significantly more pass volume than almost anybody else in the league. Even if he plays subpar, that's a lot of opportunity for touchdowns. It's a lot of opportunity for receptions. So again, the biggest problem is this offensive line. And if they address that in the offseason, from a fantasy perspective, I think everyone on this offense gets a big bump. We will, uh, we will see. I, I'm not holding my breath on it. I mean, they. The other thing that's interesting is they sold away like key pieces of their defense that were like, kind of getting ready to be on, co- or you know, out of contract. So, mm-hmm. I, I am interested to see what they do from a defensive perspective as well. Even better for a fantasy perspective. If their defense sucks, good deal. We're, we'll take. They're it. gonna be playing behind. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's move over to the afternoon slate here. Um, I want to talk about the Bills Jets game. The Bills got a much-needed win over the Jets. The Bills were kind of spiraling a little bit, and we weren't really sure of what to make of them. Josh Allen, he played a couple games this season where he made the Bills look unstoppable, and then he played several games this season where he was determined to give the defense the ball no matter what he did, you know, no matter what. Like, that's just what he wanted to do. Um, statistically right now, the Bills, after this win, have a 50% chance of making the offseason. So there's still hope. Um, if they would have lost this game, it was only a 13% chance. That puts them in a tough spot. But looking at the rest of the season for the Bills, they got to play the Eagles, they got to play the Chiefs, they got to play the Cowboys, they got to play the Chargers, they got to play the Dolphins. Um, I see at least a few games in there that seem pretty unlikely given how well or how bad the Bills have been playing that they're going to win. Is their season over at this point? I, I want to bring back up again, you know, we've got a good friend who's a Bills fan and he has completely checked out as of a few weeks ago like as soon as soon as Josh Allen showed that he was willing to turn the ball over and his defense lost half of their starters due to injury he was like yeah this season's a wash and I wasn't quite that pessimistic about it but looking at the rest of their schedule it really seems like the season might be over for the Bills the AFC East is just a really really difficult division to predict like it it really is and i feel like it's every single freaking week we have this conversation with a different team in the afc east like that's where i'm at but how can you not because every single one of them looks fraudulent like i think the dolphins are they're leading the afc east at seven seven and three but i think they're a fraudulent team they almost lost to the Raiders, who lost their head coach and is playing Aiden O'Connell as their quarterback. They almost lost. They won the game 20-13, to 13, and a win is a win, and I understand that, and wins are hard to come by. But one week they put up 70 points against the Broncos, and then a few weeks later they put up 20 points and almost lose to the Raiders. And so the Dolphins, to me, are a really, really difficult to, team to try and predict. And then the only other competitor in the AFC East to the Bills is the Jets. 
who are four and six right now. And the, they obviously just beat the Jets, and they beat them pretty handily. In the Jets right now, we know the story. They don't have Aaron Rodgers. So, that, like, is Aaron Rodgers coming back? It sounds like he might. What does that do if they can continue to hold on and continue to try and keep themselves in a wild card position? And I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility either. And then you have the Bills, who I agree. Your friend who was a Bills fan who was checked out, if I was a Bills fan, I, fan, I probably would be as well because – while you look at, like, the the Bills have a pretty, you know, they have a 50% chance. That's literally a coin flip of a chance right now. And let's say they do make it into the playoffs, okay? How far in the playoffs do they go? That's the question that I have for you because now we're talking about playoff football. Now we're mm. talking about going all the way. Do they have what it takes? I don't well, think it, they do. <laughs> Here's the thing. It, it's all hypothetical because I don't think they're going to make it to the playoffs given the rest of their schedule. But if they make it to the playoffs, getting some wins against the Eagles, the Chiefs, the, and the Cowboys, and then maybe throwing the Dolphins in there in a nice shootout game, uh, well, then we're having a totally different conversation come playoff time. Now we're saying, okay, the Bills are back because they won all of these difficult games to get to the playoffs. You know, they beat all of these teams who are playoff worthy to get to the playoffs. So at that point in time, okay, we're having a different conversation. But again, I think it's all moot because – I don't think they're going to win those games. I think the Bills, just given the the struggle that they've had keeping guys healthy on defense and Josh Allen, you know, he looked a little bit better this week. And I, I honestly think the play calling has a lot to do with it. We saw the change at offensive coordinator getting the ability. You know, you want to get Josh Allen rolling out, which means you have to establish the run game. So you got to do that first. And then you get these play action plays where you get Josh Allen moving. And then the offense looks competent. But the problem is they just haven't been able to do it uh, consistently, and I just don't see them being able to do that consistently given the high-caliber opponents they have left the rest of the season. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I, I would not be surprised if they didn't make the playoffs, which is kind of unfortunate given the how everybody else in the AFC East has been. I had is the, the Madden Jets. curse back? It might be. Mm, it very well could tough. be. Yeah, Patrick it, Mahomes broke it. Now it's right back. Yeah. Well, they also had um, John Madden on there, and that was... I don't know if he yeah. technically broke it. He was, it was like dead. a memorial thing. Yeah, I know. So I don't know if that. I don't know how you it couldn't. Look at that. Couldn't have hurt him. No. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. Like I had the Jets going all the way in the AFC East before the Rodgers injury, and then four plays in, it really my whole mentality just kind of spewed out. So I think it's probably got to be the Dolphins where their current record is, and maybe the Bills slide in on a wild card at this point. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough, and I would not be surprised if they didn't. So I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, I just wanted to take a moment here to stop in the podcast, say we appreciate all you guys, and we do see your questions, and we will answer them at the end of the show. So if you have any, throw them in there, and we do appreciate it. Scotty, I want to talk about changing of the many guards being the quarterbacks. We talked about Zach Wilson. He has been benched and is now the third-string quarterback. I kind of look at that, as we talked about earlier, as Robert Salah trying to win back the locker room a little bit and finally letting um, – maybe his GM is letting him bench him. I'm not sure. But – Really, the the main reason I want to talk about this is Arthur Smith. I know that you listen to us, and I know you watch us, and I still think you're a piece of shit, and you went and you are now starting Desmond Ritter again and have come out and said that you will be starting Desmond Ritter for the rest of the season. I just wanted to share that with you, Scotty, because I, I think this is the end of Arthur Smith. I think he's grasping at straws. Yeah, I mean, Arthur Smith is definitely on the hot seat at this point in time. But, you know, right now he's kind of caught between a, a rock and a hard place because Heineke came in and didn't really revitalize the offense like we hoped he might. You know, we hoped that he'd be willing to take a little bit more shots and get these playmakers involved like Ritter has not really been able to. And we didn't really see that happen. So, you know, at this point in time, Arthur Smith is kind of in a lose-lose situation because, again, this is a team that didn't address this quarterback concern 
in the offseason like they should have, like everyone on earth thought they should have, because just the caliber of this team is very, very high, but they have nobody to lead the charge. And that was always the problem with the Falcons this year, and it will be the problem with the Falcons until the end of the year when Arthur Smith is long gone. Arthur Smith, scumbag piece of shit. Fuck you, Arthur Smith. Amen. All right, let's talk about the Broncos. Speaking of scumbag pieces of shit, uh, this is coming from a Chiefs fan. So, you know, nothing personal. But That is Sierra's husband you're speaking about. (laughs) Um, The Broncos' defense has been pretty damn good ever since they gave up 70 points to the Dolphins. Everyone thought, oh, my gosh, this defense, you know, they were good in 2022. And then the start of 2023, people were like, what the hell happened? But they've really turned it around. Since week six, they're they're ranked ninth in DVOA, defensive uh, adjusted value over average. So this is a team that has climbed the ladder significantly because I think they were the worst in the league in that category to start the season and they've improved significantly. So let's talk about the Broncos a little bit. We did, I noticed you put out a graphic uh, along these same lines on Twitter. So if you're not following us on Twitter, go do that so you can get these conversations elsewhere as well. But the Broncos have the Browns, the Texans, the Chargers, the Lions, the Patriots, the Chargers again, and the Raiders to finish off the season. If they win every one of those games except for the Browns and the Lions, which both seem to be, you know, it's hard to see Russell Wilson overcoming that Browns defense and the Lions seem, you know, like they might be Super Bowl bound. So it, it would not surprise anybody if they lost those games. But given how well they've been playing over the last few weeks, you know, they could beat the Texans theoretically might be interesting. Um, they could definitely beat the Patriots, the Chargers. It just depends on which Chargers team shows up and they could definitely beat the Raiders depending on which Raiders team shows up. So, you know, not the best odds, but if they only manage to lose against the Browns and the Lions, they've got an 88% chance to make it into the playoffs. But if they lose even one of those games outside of the Lions and the Browns, their chances drop to below 25%. So they've really got to show out. But Russell Wilson's been playing better. Um, he made Last week he made that absolute, maybe one of the best throws I've ever seen in NFL football, that dime to Cortland Sutton uh, to, for the go-ahead touchdown. And then this week again, Cortland Sutton made a clutch touchdown catch to put them ahead. So this is a team that looks like they might be starting to put it together. It's not an overly explosive offense. Their defense is still, you know, climbing back up from the bottom where they were, but you see them trending in the right direction now. Is this a testament to, you know, is Russell Wilson figuring it out? I know you hate Sean Payton, but is this maybe a testament to Sean Payton's impact on this team? What's the story here? And do you think they have a chance at making the playoffs realistically? Sean Payton's another scumbag that I don't like, but I, I you can't argue with what they have, they're starting to do. They have found within themselves they really didn't like nothing crazy happened nothing drastic happened to really change the identity of the broncos they didn't lose an offensive coordinator they didn't you know have a changing of the guard with specific players everything has been kind of the same one thing that you have seen that the broncos have had success with is they're starting to use javante williams more and i think that has been a really focal point for this team if you're looking for anything to stick out their success to i think javante williams is definitely the key player here i mean he's starting to actually see more touches since week seven he's had 15 touches 27 touches 21 touches against the bills and he only had 11 yesterday but my point being is they're finding success in the run game they're finding success with a high caliber great running back that is Javante Williams and I think that is a a large component of this is when you have a a threat of a run game it makes people like Russell Wilson's job a hell of a lot easier and getting the ball in his playmakers hands I am sad for Jerry Judy and I do think that I, I hope for better days with him as far as, you know, he's a potential trade target this offseason. The Broncos were rumored to have been speaking with the Colts about trading, you know, the Colts 
acquiring Jerry Judy. Um, I want to see him find a new home because I think he's his tenure with the Broncos is, is kind of starting to wane. And for fantasy purposes, it's kind of a bleak existence for him. So somewhat frustrating and sad, but this was also kind of a change in some ways from last year. We saw Cortland Sutton was the main wide receiver in this offense this year, but last year it was kind of Jerry Judy. So it's interesting to see how that's transitioned. And I do think that their the Broncos run game has really uh, benefited them as an entire team. Yeah, I mean, this is a league, everyone wants to talk about it, the NFL is a passing league, and it is, but in order to pass effectively, you have to be able to establish that run game, and without that, you know, when when you had you know, the running backs in this in this room dealing with a little bit of injury, you kind of had to re- rely on Pirine, which he's a good running back, but he's not a bell cow, he's not someone that you can rely on uh, every single down, you know, getting Javante back healthy and having him be productive is certainly going to make a huge impact on the productivity of the offense, and ultimately, you know, we're talking about them like they've made this huge step forward, you know, they have won four games in a row, but their offense still, it's not like they're putting up a ton of points. So we still have to see a lot of improvement from this offense if they hope to, uh, you know, be where the Broncos want to be uh, in the near future. Yes, sir. It is time to get over to our brain busters. We got a couple questions to answer, so let's do it. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. First question comes from Bronson Howe. I know you've asked questions before, so I apologize if I have butchered your name, but I do appreciate your question. He says, should I trade Jamar Chase and Cortland Sutton for Stefan Diggs? Yes, I would be doing that at this point. Uh, yeah, I agree with that 100%. I mean, if this is a dynasty league, obviously things change a little bit, but if this is a redraft league, yes. Smash that, smash yeah, that yeah, trade yeah. button. If this is a dynasty league, no, I would not do that. But if this was, yeah, this is redraft, I think Chase's season is going to be lackluster moving forward other question comes from j money 201092 hey guys waiver question two quarterback league he has lamar gino and sam howell do you drop pickens or jsn for drew Locke or tim boyle in a redraft league i'm gonna go new you have two top 10 quarterbacks already and gino smith is your third qb i would be fine with rolling with that yeah I, I mean, you got to be playing Howell or Lamar at this point. I, you know, at this point in time, I guess in a two-quarterback league, you play both Howell and Lamar, and you, uh, you know, if you need an emergency quarterback, you go Gino. You definitely don't need to drop anybody yeah, for those guys. Gino got hurt yesterday, and 29 minutes ago, something came out. Uh, take a qu- couple days for quarterback Gino Smith's elbow to quiet down, but there is no structural issues there, but he's got a sore elbow. Dude, yeah. I got sore everything. <laughs> Even still, I mean, you, you you are more set at the quarterback position than most people in your league probably are you're at just, this point. Yeah, the only thing that you're doing is you're banking that Lamar Jackson goes on by week 13. Even still. N- yeah, I wouldn't do it. No, don't do it, Jay Money. Keep your stuff. Keep rolling, baby, and go win mm-hmm. that championship. Agreed. And that's it. That's all the questions that we have from our listeners. So, Scotty, let's do waivers real quick, and we'll get the heck out of here. I'll let you uh, start with your first waiver claim. Yeah, first one is Jaden Reed. Um, Obviously, the Packers have been kind of blah. Like, we're not overly excited about Jordan Love. They got a lot of young guys on this team. Um, 
you know, I think the Packers just kind of hoped that they would all figure it out faster than than average. Um, and we're kind of seeing that a little bit. Jaden Reed is someone, he's only 36% rostered. He's had two consecutive weeks now with double-digit fantasy points, uh, which is obviously good. But the biggest thing here is, you know, Aaron Jones, uh, right now the the, the uh, news coming out of his injury is that it's not going to be long-term, it's not going to be serious. But uh, with Aaron Jones out, they've already shown that they'll use Jaden Reed as sort of a gadget player on some sweeps and some trick plays, giving him the ball. I think with Aaron Jones not in the lineup, and relying on A.J. Dillon, you're going to see Jaden Reed more involved. So I think he's worth a pickup. He may not be someone you start right away, but he's definitely worth a roster ad, in my opinion. Okay. I only brought one this week, so I will uh, announce to everybody, go get Zach Charbonnet, the Charbs himself. He's 50% rostered, and Kenneth Walker is slated to miss some time with an oblique strain, meaning that the Charbs, he's a surefire waiver claim for me at this point, Scotty. I mean, He's only 50% roster, as I mentioned, and I would probably be blowing whatever fab I have left to try and get this guy because there's a 50-50 shot he's there, and that's a starting running back in the NFL, and you don't get that that this late in the season a whole heck of a lot. So, yeah, I would be going to grab him. Go grab Zach Charbonnet right now. Yeah, not to mention, I mean, he hasn't seen the field enough for us to really know his effectiveness, but the eye test, man, he had passes with flying colors. He's yeah. someone I think has a lot of potential if he's given the right workload, and it looks like he will. As a side note, this week I lost Kenneth Walker, um, Joe Burrow, and Mark Andrews, which oh, is just no. it's just devastating. Is this dynasty? Well, I think this is in two different leagues. One of them is dynasty, um, and the other one's redrafts. But it's like, dude, oh, it's just devastating. That is devastating. I'm sorry right, my for last loss. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, my last waiver wire pickup is Odell Beckham Jr. Um, he's someone that some people were high on to start the season. A lot of people were like, well, you know, he's kind of old and we haven't seen him do much recently because he's been injured and off the field. But he's now scored double-digit points in three straight games, and without Mark Andrews, everyone on this offense is going to have to step up. So given the fact that he's only 29% rostered, go look on your waiver because if he's there, he's going to be a usable wide receiver for the rest of the season. Um, do you really believe that? Would you start him and flex him? Uh, I, I think that I might wait a little bit depending on how your roster is constructed. But if you need some help, he's got as high a ceiling as anybody. I mean, he's with 31, with, I didn't realize he was that old. I thought he was like 29. Yeah. OBJ's 31. That's old for a wide receiver. But, no, I, I'm fine with it. I mean, somebody's got to fill the void that is uh, Mark Andrews. Isaiah Likely might be another one that might just be worth rostering. He He's the the backup tight end. He's he's uh, was kind of drafted to – he was drafted pretty early, and I think a lot of people were afraid he was going to take over from Mark Andrews, but that hasn't been the case. But he's certainly been usable whenever Mark Andrews has been hurt. I don't know if it's going to be the same production level, though. I, I don't think that that's going to be the case. So I there are other, other tight ends I'd probably be more interested in owning, but if you're in deeper leagues, I wouldn't hate just rostering likely just to have him. Yeah, rostering him is not a bad idea. I'm just – I'm not overly excited about Likely's usage, just given the other weapons on this team. I think this is a bigger bump for people like OBJ, people like Zay Flowers. And then, you know, Keaton Mitchell is someone that is – I think he's not going anywhere. This is a guy, another guy that passes the eye test. He ha- he's had limited a w- limited workload. But I think this offense without Mark Andrews, you know, losing one of their key pass catchers might have to rely on this run game and this option game with Lamar more. And I think Keaton Mitchell is another one that's going to that's gonna kind of go off. So all of this is to say there are a lot of weapons on this offense, and I think Isaiah Likely is pretty far down the list in the pecking order yeah he's just he is on the field 
That is he is on the is, field. He is in the field. In deeper leagues, go grab him. Don't start him, but also don't drop anybody of value to get him. Like if you're just looking like me, like you're just rosters depleted and you're sad and alone, might be worth a look. Last conversational piece, Scotty, and we are done. Monday Night Football, that is tonight. So if you're listening on the podcast tomorrow, you will know the answer to this. But, Scotty, who's winning? Chiefs-Eagles, baby. Oh, it's it's the Chiefs all day long, baby. I'm a Chiefs homer, and I'm going for it. In all seriousness, I was thinking about this this morning because I just I, I wake up thinking about Chiefs football. Um, I don't think the outcome of this game is as important as the product that we see on the field. Regardless of which one of these teams wins, if we see a good game between two good offenses who put a good offensive game plan together and two tough defenses who make some big plays, I think both teams leave feeling pretty confident that you know they're going to go far this season and into the postseason. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily think a win loss makes all the difference in the world. Obviously, you know everything it's gonna matters. Be, it's going to be a talking piece no matter who wins this game. Correct. I, but I think realistically, if if the Chiefs come out, even let's say the Chiefs lose the game by a touchdown, they come out and they, you know, Patrick Mahomes throws for over 300. They put together some explosive plays on offense and their defense makes some plays. As a Chiefs fan, I walk away thinking, I wish we would have won that game, but not the end of the world. I'm still feeling pretty confident. I think that the Eagles are going to win this game. I think um, I want the Chiefs to win, but I think there's a couple things that people aren't really thinking about here as far as why the Chiefs are going to win this game. So I I think there's one overarching reason, and I think it's Travis Kelsey. Um, I don't know if you know this, Scotty, but Travis Kelsey's uh, mom and dad are going to be meeting Taylor Swift's mom and dad, and I think that's really going to weigh heavily on him. He wants the families to get along. I think they're uh, they're looking towards marriage, and I think that he needs mm. permission. You know, he wants his families to coincide, so he's not going to be really thinking about the football game. He's going to be thinking about what's going on up in the press box and up in the uh, not the press box. Nah, but you're, the, you're thinking about this all wrong, bro, because. Taylor Swift is going to be there, I think, isn't she? That's what I, I would, heard. I think so. I would assume if her parents are going to be there, she'd probably show up. But I, who am I? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know for sure. I guess, but I've heard that she'll be there, and we know that Travis Kelsey has performed a lot better, and this offense has performed a lot better with Taylor Swift. So she's our good luck charm. And uh, you know, all analytics aside, Taylor Swift's going to be there. We're going to win. Okay, we'll see. I am we'll interested. I, I do want the Chiefs to win, but I do think the Eagles are going to win this one. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. We'll know here. By, by the time everyone's listening tomorrow. But uh, appreciate everybody joining us today. Appreciate all your guys' questions, comments, guys. Thank you so much. And uh, appreciate your guys' continued support. We really do appreciate it. It's, we, we enjoy doing this, and it's because of you guys. So thank you so much. Let's get out of here, Scotty. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.